Welcome to the Addiction Solution Podcast. I'm Michelle Dunbar. Mark Sheeran and I will be talking today about how you break free from the addiction and recovery trap. We, along with our colleague, Stephen Slate, wrote the Freedom Model for Addictions, Escape the Treatment and Recovery Trap, and the Freedom Model for the Family. The Freedom Model offers a completely different approach to addiction, and we have a real solution that's individual-centered. We offer two ways to learn the Freedom Model currently in private one-on-one classes, and that is at our beautiful private St. Jude retreat and through our at-home Freedom Model private instruction program, which we do via video conference. You can get information about these options at thefreedommodel.org and soberforever.net. What we wanted to address and talk about today is the recovery society in general and, and what it's like when you're in recovery. A lot of times there's this idea that you have to be this perfect person, perfectly spiritual, perfectly healthy, making healthier choices. And, um, you know, you, you have to be perfect in your relationships. You're not allowed to be angry. You're not allowed to be alone. You're not allowed to be hungry. (laughs) Right. 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 It's true. So, so we're going to talk about what we call in the book, indirect processes of change, um, which is all of these recovery ideas, um, that don't really have much to do with substance use at all. Um, and uh, so let's let's talk about them. Well, this idea that you have to have this perfect type of life is rooted in the idea that um, uh, it's a matter of strength and that if you have pieces of your life that aren't perfectly spiritual or perfectly laid out, that you'll run out of willpower, that you'll right. run out of energy the spiritual energy um or you're in in more modern sort of folklore that your vibration will be off right in the cosmic universe that you'll you'll you know and and if these things are uh, not in balance that somehow you will be depleted of your happiness and then if you're not happy then you will crash into relapse so it's 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 really just an extension of this ar- argument that you need strength and that you are a vessel filled with willpower and as it's depleted you get closer to the edge of relapse and none of that is true because there is no force of addiction that's that's against you and there's no battle. There's just choices to be made. But by making the argument about strength, um, then you the extension of that is this, this necessity of having a perfect life uh, if you want to stay sober. It, it also goes along with this, this idea that you have to be happy um, to not not drink or not use drugs to to stay abstinent that that if you're if you're unhappy um because of something you know that you did to harm someone else or um you know if you're if you're unhappy because you have secrets deep dark secrets that you're in trauma that you haven't figured out how to deal with um that that you'll you'll drink or you'll do drugs again and I want to talk about for me and for a lot of people, this idea that you have to have a perfect life is actually detrimental. Um, it, it, when you talk about what we call indirect processes of change, you're, you work to make 
all these parts of your life perfect, you leave your what you believe about substances, you leave your strong preference for them intact, right? And then and this idea that it'll help you if you're unhappy or that it gives you some kind of relief. So you leave that all intact and then you go over here and you decide um you know, okay, I'm not allowed to be angry. I'm never allowed to be angry. I took that to an extreme. And <clears throat> and I became someone who if I thought that I was angry, then the problem was me. Right? right. I mean, I think that's uh that's one of the st- steps, you know, after at the end of the day, you've got to look, you got to do a thorough inventory of yourself and see where you were wrong. And and so I set up this life for myself that was so highly stressful because I had to be perfect. I wasn't allowed to be angry. Um, I had to be perfectly honest at all times. I had to continuously serve people till till it, it hurt me physically, um, and 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 on and on and on with this, these perfect traits. And and it turns out, you know, a lot of times, you know, in religion stuff, they're like, "You'll be happy." Well, I wasn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. This this uh, first of all, anytime you have a gun to your head. Uh, you're going to be motivated um, to 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 move in a certain direction, right? And but really, when you have a gun to your head, you don't want to be motivated that way. That's the problem. So what AA does is they create a a lie, and that is that um, John Barleycorn or or booze has power, and because they view it that way and they push it on you, you have to be the spiritual being with a gun to your head. Yeah. And that's a that's an incredibly demotivating way of coercing people to behave in a, in a certain manner. And in this case, living by these first century Christian ideals on its face seems good, right? Serving people, being happy, these ideas. There's nothing wrong with no, those ideas. No, definitely not. But when you couple it with the false idea that if you don't do this, you're going to be shit-faced and it's out of control and that booze has power and damn it, exactly. you better do this. Well, then then it goes into the realm of uh, it's really not your decision anymore because um, you're being coerced and manipulated to behave in a, in a spiritual sense because of fear. And th- that is so antithetical to being spiritual. Right. I mean, the whole point of being spiritual is peace, joy, love, happiness. Not if I'm not happy, joyous, and free, my God, I'm going to drink myself to death and screw over everybody around me because alcohol is power. Do you see how how twisted they do that? Having a gun to your head does not motivate people in a positive direction. It just doesn't. I want to tell you, one of the things that scared me the most when I was in early recovery was this idea of doing God's will, right? Mark and I spent hours talking about this because, yeah, because I was like, I I don't understand how, how am I supposed to know what God wants for me? And I would go back and forth in my mind because I was raised Catholic. And and when you're raised Catholic, you have this idea that God wants you to suffer, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. You have to suffer to get closer to God. Yeah. Um, now, suffering is part of living. So so there's there's a certain amount of it that you're, you're going to have to endure in your life. And you can use it to become more spiritual or closer to God. Um, but 
I, I don't think, you know, if I'm somebody that believes in God, I'm, I don't think I'm believing that God wants me to suffer. Um, and so, so I spent so much time ruminating on what God's will was for me. And it, it made me like a deer in headlights. Like I didn't know which way to go half the time. Um, and, and I mean, that's just one of the, one of the ways, I mean, it, God doesn't care whether I drink or don't drink. I know that's not going to be popular out there with some people, some religious, more religious people, but I'm sure he's got a lot. If God exists up there, I'm sure he's got a lot bigger fish to fry than whether or not I, you know, have a glass of wine or not. Well, I think that, that, um, if you're a, any type of historian or, or realistic person, when you look at the suffering around the world and if you have any knowledge on it, uh, the idea that that God would be partial to you, right? You know, and and whether you're drinking or not, while you know there's genocide with little children in in the millions every year, I I just I don't understand the logic behind that kind of thinking. I think it's just a, a maybe a lack of knowledge as to what is really going on in the world. So these are the these are the questions that we ask ourselves about spirituality all the time. Why does evil exist in the world and all that sort of thing? Well, here's the deal. Drinking is actually a, a incredibly simple problem that has only been complicated by the mythology of the guy that started this whole charade, Bill Wilson. It was his fantasy, and I've talked about this over and over again, but but... You, we're all a product in the recovery society of this guy's ridiculous notions, but but it's become part of the fabric of our culture. So now we do. We feel like alcohol has power. We feel like drugs have power. We fe- notice I'm saying we feel like it's not an objective fact. And so once we once we start to believe this nonsense, um, these untruths, uh, we start to have to react to them, and and that's where treatment comes in with all its all its demands that you better be spiritual you better know what god's will is and you're sitting there freaking out trying to figure out am i doing god's will am i happy right enough? am i you know am i a good person and meanwhile uh then you drink and drug maybe they call it a relapse in that disease ideal and uh and then guilt and shame gets piled on, and there doesn't seem to be an answer. Well, th- let me tell you what the answer is. The answer is understanding the fact that drugs don't have power. Right. That substances are lifeless things. They don't have motives. They don't have – they're not cunning, baffling, and powerful like AA says. It's a bunch of bullshit. It's just nonsense. It's absolute, total, ridiculous nonsense. And so you got to let that part go. And then you start to realize that these are just choices, and if – the choice is based on some benefit you see in getting drunk. You better figure out if that benefit is real or not. And that's the key. Yeah. Knowledge. Self-knowledge is the key. Yeah. So look, I'm I'm not saying that that some of the things that I learned and the changes that I made in my life weren't positive changes because some of them were very positive. Um, I definitely, you know, matured. I grew up. I learned that a lot of the best things in life come from your relationships and the people that you are helping. Um, and, you know, I learned that, you know, I didn't have to get, you know, angry about every little thing. Those were all good things. What I'm saying is negative is being 
overly consumed, first of all, thinking, as Mark said, that you need to do those things that it, because so you don't drink and drug, because um, you don't. Um, and the second thing is becoming overly consumed with, um, with being a terrible person. Yeah, well, the shaming is, is a, a pretty awful, unnecessary part of the treatment industry, right? Um, it's, uh, the solution to your, to your addiction is understanding that life is difficult. Um, there's plenty of suffering to go around. And, and that your sobriety or your abstinence or your moderation is not dependent on conditions, Right. It's not dependent on your life conditions. And somehow we've created this bizarre connection that, uh, you know, you're going to drink and drug if you're not happy. Well, let me tell you something. I, there were many times I, I've worked with over 25,000 people personally and that have these problems. I've yet to meet somebody that is blissful all the time and and spiritually fit all the time I, I haven't met that person as a matter of fact I've, i haven't met anybody that's 50 percent on that scale i you know life is just something you sort of muddle through and yeah i'm a pretty happy guy but i feel aches and pains and struggles and have to make a living and do all the things that we all have to do and if my uh quote unquote recovery was dependent on on life circumstances being blissful i'm fucked and you are too. That's just the reality of it. So um, don't make it conditional. Don't make your, your decision to not drink and drug conditional. The people that I've worked with, that me and Michelle have worked with, our team has worked with, um, all of them came to grips with the fact at some point or another, they're going to come to grips with it, whether they have or not, that, that they get to drink and drug irrespective of where their life is. Yeah. And I've met a lot of people that had really difficult situations, me included, Michelle included, and we were sober yep. through it. It was, it, you know, once you know that that drugs and alcohol don't provide the benefits you think they give you, you can let it go. You don't like something that doesn't serve you. Yeah, the, I mean that's that's what it amounts to is all of these things that you learn in recovery are distractions. They're distractions from you actually figuring out what you like about getting drunk or high um, and and if those things that you like are actually happening for you. This is why you see people who go into recovery get months and years, they can get months and years um, abstinent. And then 10 years later, they, as they're told what happened, they pick up right where they left off. Yeah. You know, people that really buy into that um, it becomes their truth. It becomes their truth. Now I've seen people in recovery. I've seen, I've known people, we, Mark and I were in AA for, you know, as, you know, as adults for the better part of a decade. Um, and we've seen and known people who've gone through some tremendous difficult things and stayed abstinent in within the cult. Um, and, and so, but here's the thing, those people, know that they're happier not drinking than they are drinking they actually came to that conclusion um you know while in the cult that happens it happens for about five percent of the people yeah yeah so so i think it's important to know that um you're in the same boat with the rest of us 
And you can either believe in a charade that you have to be this perfectly spiritual being, and which you're not going to achieve. I mean, it's just we're human. You know, you're not going to be perfect. And, and you can put a tremendous amount of stress and guilt on yourself. Um, or you can just do what the rest of us do, which is muddle along, realize that I can be happy and I can choose my moods, and, but that my sobriety or my, my moderation is not dependent on those factors. And uh, here's what alcohol and drugs do. They physically mess with the body. But every single thing you believe that it does to your mind is a myth. So if you are sitting there and you think that it relieves your stress, that it takes away your anxiety, that it makes you a better lover, that it gives you courage, that it makes you fight, that it does all these mental things, you're wrong. Now, there's facts that prove this, and we've listed them out in the Freedom Model. Now, why is it important to go there is because if you continue to believe that drugs and or alcohol can do these magical mental things, that it can change the content of your thoughts or the way you behave, that the drug does that, you will continue to want it, and you will continue to place value in that. So when we talk about directly challenging the benefits, that's what we're talking about, directly challenging this idea, this false idea that drugs and or alcohol change the content of our thoughts and manipulate our thoughts in some way beneficial or not. So coming to grips with that is is what we're talking about when we say we're making a direct preference change. We are directly attacking the benefits of what you see you get out of this experience. Notice that none of what I just said had anything to do with being spiritual, having a sponsor, having a support system, going to meetings, going to therapy. It has literally nothing to do with any of that. That's all a distraction from deciding whether you see the benefits in your drinking or drugging or not and challenging those benefits. So if you're spending your time in these indirect ways, futzing around with all these recovery activities and protocols and processes and alternative coping mechanisms and relapse prevention, you're wasting your time because the problem sits right inside you, which is, I think being drunk benefits my mental status. That is the myth that keeps you trapped. And that's what needs to be challenged directly. That's exactly right. If you've gotten to the point, and I'm, I'm working with a couple people right now who who have gotten to the point where they want to want to stop and and they still have these belief systems intact and and at the same time they still really like it i mean maybe you're you're a person that just simply likes being drunk or high um unfortunately when you heap that shame on there it makes it difficult to admit yeah okay i really do like being high there's nothing wrong with that right there's nothing wrong with liking it. I liked it for a long time. I liked it until I didn't. Um, now, you you may still believe you like it simply out of habit. You may still believe you like it a lot because of the things you think it's doing for you. And the only way that you're going to figure out whether or not you still like it enough is to test it, is to stop using for a period of time, is to just kind of let it go. Now, when you let it go, 
You don't have to. A lot of people get stuck in this idea that, oh, I'm giving it up forever. This is my last hurrah. I got I to gotta go out and tie one last one on. You don't have to give it up forever. Whoever said you had to give it up forever. Right. Especially if you're doing the freedom model, you're taking a break. People take breaks all the time. And you can take a break and you can test out, maybe maybe I can be happy or abstinent. Yeah. It, it, look, it, I, I realize that in our podcast, we, we cover a lot of the same ground over and over, um, mixed with some new information each time. But, but the keys, obviously, to changing a preference is direct preference change, not, not recovery uh, recipes. That actually distracts you from coming to terms with your own beliefs. Because the, your, your beliefs, your mind is what keeps you trapped. Your beliefs about alcohol that are erroneous, that are uh, factually and logically incorrect. You have logical errors. And anytime you have logical errors in any problem-solving situation, you can't solve the problem because you'll come out with the wrong solution. Recovery recipes are the wrong solution. They are illogical. And, and so, so that's the problem you have. Um, it's, it's not that you haven't done recovery good enough. Right. That you haven't given yourself to the simple program like AA. It's not you know. that you're constitutionally incapable of being honest with yourself. Right. That that's that's not it. That has nothing to do with anything. It's that you have a preference that's based in myth. Yeah. It's based in logical errors, in the wrong information and and you can only get bad results, ineffective results, negative results from something that is bad information. You know, if you try to fix a car that, you know, have, has an empty gas tank and you try to fix it right. by putting in, you know, new spark plugs, guess what? You're not going anywhere. And that's essentially what you keep doing. Go to your meetings. Talk about the last bender. Write down your consequences at rehab. Do a cost-benefit analysis. All this shit, you know what it does? Nothing. 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 It wastes time. What you should do is sit down literally by yourself and say to yourself, do I believe that drugs and alcohol solve my mental issues, my, my problems within my mind? If I believe that, I am wrong. They can't do that, and I need to fix that uh, logical error. And the Freedom Model chapter 17 through 20 does that. Yeah. Amongst many other chapters, like the, the self-image chapters, there's the whole book, the whole book. And the good news is it's on Audible now, so you can get, yeah, listen to it. it. I was talking with, uh, we, have a, we have a new chef here. She's been with us a few months. She's great here at the retreat. And I was talking with her about, she doesn't know a lot about AA. And I was explaining to her the, the fourth and fifth step. And she's like, so you like write down your deepest, darkest secrets. And then you tell them to a total stranger in a group like like and then that total stranger is supposed to keep all your secrets and i'm like yeah ideally that's the way it's supposed yeah. to be yeah. doesn't usually work that way <laughs> um you know she just just on its face she was like that sounds insane <laughs> yeah that's because it is insane it is insane you don't have to do any of that because if you look at all of the steps from the aa program all of the steps are are supposed to be making you feel like a shitty person and that's supposed to motivate you to stay abstinent. Yeah, and really what it does, it motivates you to keep coming back 
because they want your money. Yeah. You know, that's it. They want yeah. your dollar in the basket. With If a million people every day are putting a dollar in the basket, you do the math. Yeah, yeah, a million, more than a million. I mean, it's worldwide. Right. It's worldwide. So I think we've covered that well enough at this point. Um, you know, look, at, uh, we're going to get the hate mail. We're going to get the people saying, you're bashing a program that's helped millions of people and it's free. Um, it's not free. You pay with your life, quite yeah, you frankly. Get, you pay with t- the only uh, non-renewable resource in your life, which is the ever-dwindling thing called time. Yep. Uh, the most valuable thing you have is taken away from you along with your peace of mind, uh, your freedom. Your self-efficacy. Yeah, your self-respect because you're this powerless, hapless victim that you have to identify as. Trust me, there's a price in AA to be A paid, very high price. And it's a brutal one, and yeah. it's unnecessary. So, um, But look, if you're happy there, great, rock on. Um, you're, you're among the minority, but don't kid yourself. You're happy there because you know you can be happier there than you can be in the bar. That's it. You know, That's so it. you did the same. You did the freedom model. You just did it a little. You, you took a detour. <laughs> but I just want to say, um, on a on a macro level here, that we're going to replace AA. Yes. We're going to the freedom model. Your freedom, your mind is going to supersede a meeting structure and all this recovery uh, nonsense, and. Uh, and we're going to show the world and, and all the people in it that AA has been wrong for 80 years in its approach. It's factually incorrect and that um, we have a better answer. Yeah, that's exactly right. Thank you so much for listening today. If you or someone you know is seeking help for a substance use problem or another habitual behavior problem, or you want help breaking free and moving past recovery as well, you can reach us at 888-424-2626 or through our websites, thefreedommodel.org, leaveaddictionbehind.com, and soberforever.net. Thefreedommodel.org is our hub. Um, It has a bunch of free resources and information, including videos, these podcasts and our ebooks digital editions of our books are available that's the freedom model for addictions and the freedom model for the family you can get them for free um, at thefreedommodel.org by entering coupon code freedom 100 at checkout you can follow us on social media including facebook twitter instagram linkedin and subscribe to the freedom model youtube channel you can join our private Facebook group, um, the Freedom Model Group, and uh, it's private so that if you join it and you, you don't have to be worried about other people in your friends list um, knowing what you're writing in there or anything, it's totally private. Only other members of that group can see it. Um, Let me jump in right here because we're also going to have uh, a seminar series. Oh, yeah. Uh, we just created the Freedom Model International. And this is going to be a private series of seminars starting in September to build the community worldwide if you want to be a part of the movement um, that brings freedom back into the fold. And uh, if you want to be a part of that, you can join the seminars. There, there's, a, uh, there's going to be a nominal cost for that. Obviously, we have to make a living somehow. <laughs> um, but really, what we want to do is bring the solution to the world. And so uh, 
yeah, we'll, we'll be making announcements about the seminar series here in the next uh, three weeks. Yes. Yes. And so from every, oh, and if you need detox, because sometimes when we're drinking heavily, using benzos, maybe opiates, um, we need medical detox. You can go to uh, gallusdetox.com. We've been working with our friends at Gallus for the better part of a decade. They're fantastic. They will do inpatient detox for Suboxone and Methadone as well. Just uh, check out their website, G is in girl, A-L-L-U-S is in Sam, uh, detox.com. And thank you everyone for listening today. From everyone here at the St. Jude Retreat and the Freedom Model, we wish you well until next time.